God, that's a great noise to start off the pod with. A real slurpy slurp. A real slurpy slurp. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Conversations in Cinema. My name is David, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Josh. That's me. And you're here. You, Bob, and Jenna. George. And George. Susan. Um, Phil. I feel like we're going for like classic like 90s names right now for some reason. For some reason. Tony. Tony. Uh, Harry. Uh, Carol. Polly. You're all here listening in as we do something that's never really been done before, which is uh, talk about movies on a podcast. Uh, this episode, we are talking about, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the film by a little known director called Martin Scorsese. Hmm. Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. Um, but first things first, uh, what are we drinking today? We just cracked open a cold one. What, what are we doing? This this beverage of choice is called Ignition Switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a Belgian-style pale ale. My Neff. It's brewed for everybody, according to the can, mm-hmm. which is untrue because you have to be over 21 to buy it. Oh, that's true. False advertising. Is there a disclaimer anywhere? Could we sue? Bunch of wankers. Bunch of wankers. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure this is going to become a theme for all of our episodes, but I kind of wanted to choose a beer that somewhat correlated with Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um, Trying to like, match the movies. Yeah. And, you know, I have my natural grocers by my, by my house that has a lot of like the, the local beers mm-hmm. and brews and a lot of the, the local stuff, like they have cool hip names. Oh yeah. All these hippie beers and IPAs mm-hmm. and nothing really, you know, I'm not even sure a beer is like, you can, you don't have like a typical beer gangster beer. I feel like one of them, either Prairie or I mean, like uh, Corona. That's or, more like. Uh, elk somebody did a gangster beer not too long ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you think what do you think a guy like uh hey, uh, paulie was jimmy jimmy played by de niro what do you what beer do you think he drinks uh it always looks like it's like light stuff yeah i could tell you that henry uh drinks cocaine just just liquefies it and drinks it mm-hmm. in a shot glass just straight up kicking Kicking, yeah. But I chose this one because it it was ignition switch. So I was like, hmm, bombs, mafia, <laughs> cars exploding, which only happens once in this film. Action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how how does it taste? Is it, I'm going to taste it again. Here. Just, this is what the podcast is now. It's just drinking ASMR. Yeah. There's people that are going to love that and absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. It is very divisive. So, uh, for everybody, we've already lost Bob. Yeah. Bob's gone for everybody. We've lost. You will be missed. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good fellas. Let me go over some quick, quick overview facts here before we dive into our opinions. Cause really in this podcast, we just sit around and talk about our favorite things about the movies we watch mm-hmm. and then, you know, just some general insight stuff. Cause <laughs> we're just so knowledgeable, mm-hmm. you know, wealth it's, it's um, vast, our knowledge. Deep. It's like a well. And vast. Just like the ocean and the tides therein mm-hmm. and the, the, the ponds mm-hmm. and the rivers and the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. babbling brooks Ice. of the world. Icebergs are melting. 
somebody help. <laughs> Goodfellas is a 1990 American biographical crime film directed by the uh, legend Martin Scorsese, who also wrote with uh, Nicholas Pelleggi, Pelleggi, mm-hmm. Italian last name, and produced by Erwin Winkler. It's a film adaptation of the 85 nonfiction book Wise Guy by Pelleggi, uh, starring, of course, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco, and Paul Servino. The film narrates the rise and fall of mob associate Henry Hill and his friends and family from 1955 to 1980. Which I didn't know going into this that it was going to be based off of real characters. like Because mm-hmm. I feel like most mob movies are loosely based off of just stories that you hear, not... Like this one is specifically based off of one guy and his actual story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like actual people he knew, not just kind of general characters. Character characters, yeah, characters of them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So like it gave some sort of realness to it that almost would feel like a trope, but it's not because it's well, it could feel like a trope, and it it it's definitely not the first gangster film ever made, Mm-mm. right? And some would say it is the greatest. Although I feel like The Godfather is probably better, but I feel like The Godfather is a much more like romanticized oh, version yeah. of it. I mean, you know, versus this one is is really is a not a cautionary tale, but you know, it, it's it's a lot more of the real. That's what Scorsese makes. Mm-hmm. It's very real well, stuff on the street level. Yeah, because yeah. like had The Godfather is based like about the Godfather and like the higher ups and everything. This is about the nitty gritty mm-hmm. wise guys that are the mm-hmm. foot soldiers. Basically and the Godfather is almost like it is that, that fairy tale. It, it, it's mm-hmm. like the first half of this film, right? Or the first section, the first act of, of Goodfellas. Oh yeah. Is like, it. you know, it begins with that uh, for as long as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And then mm-hmm. it goes through the first whole full act of the film is showing him living the fantasy. He even says, you know, it, all blah 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 blah. People respected me. The kids took my walked my mother's groceries home four blocks. You know why they did it? Out of respect. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it, it is showing that all the benefits and all the glitz and glam. Oh yeah. Of the life, and that's all the Godfather is. It's like the Godfather is like a deific figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's all about the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's Joe Pesci. You motherfucker, you. Funny how. Funny funny how. Funny how. You mean I'm here to amuse you? <laughs> I like how your Joe Pesci is just nasal. Isn't that all it is? I think so. Yeah. I think I think so. Of course, I'm I f- say that and I kind of feel nervous. Like, is he over? Yeah, he I was going to say, like, I, <laughs> I say that and then I'm just afraid that he'll hear it. He's like an, an 87-year-old man now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just still scared of him. Um, some more uh, knowledge dropped from our good friends at Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Lovely. The library of Alexandra, Alexandria of our time. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm intelligent. <laughs> Read that Shut word. <laughs> Scorsese initially titled the film Wise Guy, like the book, and postponed it, postponed making it. Uh, he and Pelleggi later changed the title to Goodfellas. Uh, to prepare for the roles in the film, De Niro, Pesci, and Leota often spoke with Pelleggi who shared research material left over from writing the book. Uh, According to Pesci, improvisation and ad-libbing came out of rehearsals, wherein Scorsese gave the actors freedom to do whatever they wanted. Uh, He made transcripts of those sessions, took the lines he liked the most, 
and put them into a revised script, which the cast worked from during the principal photography, which is super cool because this movie is so montagey. That's kind of like the genre it is. It's like, it's not like, okay, let's just go back to The Godfather, right? Um, and I'm interested to hear your take on on the structure, the narrative structure of this film. Um, mm-hmm. I lost my train of thought. So the where I think you were going with that is the Godfather is very flowy and it, very it has like a very dis- smooth, very calm distinct, mm-hmm. very distinct like character arcs, mm-hmm. and the, this is the journey that this character goes on. Um, whereas Goodfellas is very much like a a collection of short stories, almost. Then, yeah, because I mean we see Henry from not like a baby, but like from a younger kid to mm-hmm. essentially middle age to a little bit older to, you know, jumping through different phases of his life as a gangster or like becoming a gangster or a made man. Mm-hmm. Um, over at mentalfloss.com, um, a cool article kind of listing the facts for the 30th anniversary of the film. Uh, Adam DiParino, all these, sorry. I can't pronounce and Adam and Scott over mm-hmm. at Mental Floss. Uh, one of the, the things they, they do note is uh, author of the original book, uh, Pelegi, uh, described Goodfellas as a, quote, mob home movie, unquote, to the New York Times, selling the film alongside Scorsese as being about the pursuit of money and the particular way this group of people chose to make it. While the violence is shocking, the bulk of the film is about the character's lifestyle, relationships, who who owes whom what in the grand pursuit of materialism. Um, it's also owing to Pelegi's background as a journalist and Scorsese's op- obsessive focus on details and realism that the movie stands out as a rare peak into the underworld. They spelled peak wrong there, but I'm not going to judge. Um, but it is, it's, it, it is a collection of home. It's like a homemade documentary movie, right? It's like somebody's following them around with a camera. So not everything is... Like, this is a big narrative moment, a narrative arc. It's just kind of the day-to-day. Well, and the narrative structure is kind of weird because of mm-hmm. uh, just the simple fact that we have so much voiceover. So much voiceover. Which I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a negative or a positive. It's definitely something that they're utilizing. But, mm-hmm. like, it's it's so, like, I had the thought watching it, like, why are we doing so much voiceover to do narrative things whenever you could just show me this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i think what the point of the voiceover is is to get you inside of henry's head red leota the character to where you're i don't know if it's even more of like a fast track for you to understand the character Mm -hmm. because then also we get um what's his what's his um Lorena, um, Karen, no, Karen, his wife. Oh, Lorraine Bracco's character. Yeah. Her character gets voiceover for a little bit. Not like when, too- when we were first introduced to her, um, after she, that, that's super cool. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is whenever she gets stood up on the date and then just goes. And it's, it's just awesome. And you can tell that's what the moment that he falls in love with her, mm-hmm. um, because nobody gives him shit. Cause he's, he's a, you know, he's a, not a made man at this point, Yeah, he's but just he's, a, he's one of the guys like he's trusted. He has respect in the community. And this is the one 
gal that's like holding him accountable and he's like oh that's hey babe but you uh, maybe it's more of like a narrative trick to get the viewer to understand because you could see mm-hmm. henry and just be like yeah no that's just a gangster he's just an asshole mm-hmm. whatever why would she ever want to go for him and, and then she you, tells you why. yeah then yeah. she tells you why so i could see that yeah i i did like that it, it told it had dual perspectives. I hope, I wish that kind of went on for more of the movie, but I understand why. Cause I mean, it's not a five hour movie. You don't have yeah. time to have narrative perspectives from both of those characters. And, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it was, it was cool uh, that it was my gripe of the movie, even though I totally respect the film and I do love it. Mm-hmm. Um, my one gripe is that there is too much, like you said, telling yeah, and not so, showing. Yeah. But again, the whole premise is that he's saying this to his, he is, a, while he's writing out his, you know, he's telling the story of his gangster life as he's writing them out mm-hmm. on the stand or to the agent or whomever. Yeah. Cause like I said, I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's a detriment to it. It's just a very interesting choice. Right. Right. Well, cause even so to that, um, there's one of the scenes that we can kind of jump into mm-hmm. at seventeen seventeen, when Henry's time codes. Look at you walking through the the club because I think this are you, is the. Are we talking about the first single take? Like no, the this smaller is, one or the 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 big Copacabana. Not that cop. I think this is right before the "Am I Funny How" kind of scene. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, to where he's walking through, so the camera is is him. In my mind, this is how I perceived it. So the camera is Henry. I know what you're talking about, yes. And we're walking through. And as we're walking through, people are saying things to him and all that kind of stuff. But everybody's eyeline is above the camera. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're chest high on him or whatever. Which is also just another, like, I don't know what to make of that. Because it was done on purpose. So normally, if you, if we, the viewer, are going to go through the eyes of the character with the camera... We would be well. Head high. You see, everybody knows that uh, every man really sees the world through his dick, mm-hmm. and so that's why the eye line is up and the POV is from the dick, because mm-hmm. that's or, where a man's source of power and perception truly lies. Or it could just be <laughs> to show how everybody's literally looking. Laugh up. at my joke. Everybody is looking. Stop what you're doing. Laugh at my joke. Laugh. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha! Thank you. Um, everybody is literally looking up to him. Mm-hmm. So, oh no, that's that's a much more mature and insightful take. <laughs> There's that film degree coming out. Thank you. Um. Well, let's just let's go ahead and just springboard over to uh that Copacabana single take, which is one of the the iconic film scenes in cinema stop like mm-hmm. full stop. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the, the biggest takeaway from this movie. How many times have you seen this movie before? If at all, uh, this was my first time, first time all the way through. You've probably seen scenes. you like, yeah. There. Like, am I funny? It's, like I've seen that on stuff or like the spider dance scene or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, this was first time through. So, um, I didn't expect the long take whenever it started. Mm -hmm. So like it got probably about a minute into it and I was just like, Oh shit, we haven't stopped. Yeah. So 
it's just shy of three minutes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I thought, I mean, really, even in this time frame. So this came out in 1990. Doing cam stuff is hard today. It was mm-hmm. even more hard back then. Well, we were we watched a we each watched a documentary on uh, the YouTubes, kind of put out by Warner Brothers. Um, I guess to celebrate the 30th anniversary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Lorraine Bracco was telling the interviewer about shooting that scene. She's like, I had no clue what we were doing. I'd never seen the steady cam. I didn't know what that was. We were just walking around and I didn't, I didn't know what it was until I sat down in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, so yeah. like the, the steady cam operator, cause that's really one of the only steady cam shots in that is one thing that I will say that I noticed off the bat of this movie is that there's a lot of camera movement. There's very rarely a time until later on that you just kind of have some of these steady off shots. But mm-hmm. like, um, I think in the opening scene, I saw a dolly shot, a pan, a tilt, mm-hmm. handheld, and I think even maybe a steady shot all within maybe 30 seconds. And it was yeah. just like, bam, 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 bam. The thing I love about Scorsese's, um, I look up the, the, the DP on this. Um, yeah. Michael Bauhaus, Ballas, the cinematographer, Michael Ballas. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry for mispronouncing that, but I love the shooting style because it kind of like, it's almost so meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. but it's done in such a fluid way, a yeah. masterful way that it, it, you don't even notice the editing. Mm-hmm. or the transitions and that's big praise to the editor as well um uh Thelma Schoonmaker um, which she has edited like all of his all of his movies yeah which we saw in the documentary that she edited this linear which is insane mm-hmm. I've never had to do it yeah I came in right after that was not a thing anymore yeah um yeah we we both had the same reaction seeing that shot of them of just Scorsese doing the and her in the editing bay. And, um, you know, we've both been in different kinds of editing bays. Um, and it's you know, always the same dark room and there's the, the big master board in front of the, the multi screens and you're pulling from the, you know, it's a big assembly, mm-hmm. right? And you're just kind of looking up and the guy press the buttons. This one, it's like rolls and rolls of film. Like it's, that's the movie. Like do not fuck anything up oh yeah it's like the the art of analog is lost for a lot of people it's crazy. well yeah there's no like oh cut that mm-hmm. and then you tape it into the the reel and then you're just like no let's just swap that like, out that's like, literally where the saying you know lost on the cutting room floor came mm-hmm. from oh 100 because that shit like things got lost on the cutting room floor yeah and that's how you get like film grain scratches and dirt and which just, i noticed once in this film Oh really? Um, and it, I don't think it was on purpose, but it's it's later it's later in the film when he's like all coked up, mm-hmm. and he's outside the shot like the strip mall. Um, he's on the phone, I think, and he's kind of looking around, and you see like some scratching and some just like a little flick. Yeah, something. It was big enough for me to notice. Yeah. Um. So back to the long take, the, real the quick. Wonder, yeah. Yeah. Um. So the Steadicam guy had like done one other movie with Martin. And then was essentially brought in just to shoot this scene. Didn't know what he was getting into mm-hmm. until they started like blocking it out and everything. It was just like, oh shit, like 
this is terrible. So they had to time out stuff, which he said, uh, the steady cam operator, which I can't remember his name, uh, said that Ray, Ray Liotta was really nice to actually run the scene with him multiple times so that they could get the timing down because there's a weird spot right at the top to where he has to wait at the top of the stairs while they're at the bottom of the stairs but he has to reframe it because it's a weird shot to just have the top of their heads. Like he has to pause to like, and that's easily, easily done by like stopping to say hello to people because mm-hmm. sidebar, sidebar. I think a subtitle for this movie should be good fellas. Greetings. Because everybody says hello to everybody. Oh yeah. All the time. Well, in that world, it's more about who you know than anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just the respect. And also I'm not Italian. Um, I don't think you're Italian. No, I think we're, we're both just, I'm, I mean, I'm German British and I'm Irish British. I think Irish British. like what's the deal with the slaps or Scottish. Maybe what's the deal with like the, the slapping of the face. I don't know. That's always like, I don't know if that's real or if that's a trope, if that's just like what I feel like it's real because I don't think Scorsese would put it in his film if it wasn't. Cause he's so OCD about details well and he did kind of grow up in that world yeah for at least a little bit i don't want to miss i don't want to say well he grew up around gangsters i know that much yeah in new york city Mm -hmm. yeah Um, gangsters um but like if my grandfather ever like was saying hi to me and just slapped me across the face i would be traumatized (laughs) (laughs) you just what (laughs) how dare you papa (laughs) no (laughs) um but so on the on the long take, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting. So like we're in the the time frame of like you don't get to just like watch immediate playback because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're shooting mm. we're shooting on thirty five. That's right. Um, so one of the tricks that they did so that Scorsese could kind of see how it looked is that they taped just a regular old home movie camera on top of the Steadicam so that he could at least get a view of it. Genius and. I think, I don't know if this is a misquote or not, but I'm pretty sure that Scorsese thought that it was going to be terrible. That well, this of one take was just going to ruin the movie and not be as cool as it is. I feel like if, I mean, going to a f- film far in the future, 1917, where the whole film is made to look like it, right? Mm-hmm. Going into something like that, let alone, you know, just a, a normal scene, of course you think it's going to be crappy. Oh yeah. Right. Well, it's, and it's, there's so many moving parts to this because one. you're choreographing depending on how extensive the shot is in the location. Mm-hmm. Like this was the Copacabana in New York city. You had to have the exteriors and then the interiors going all at the same time, like a clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is a big dance and everything has to be choreographed. Um, what was shocking to me was that that only took eight tries. Yeah. They, it was a half day. I think is what they ended up calling her. Only a half day? Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy for how just iconic and beautiful that scene came out. Um, going back to the that Mental Floss article about this scene, um, Goodfellas Copacabana tracking shot, one of the most famous shots in cinema history. Shows Lorraine Bracco and Ray Liotta walking from their car on the street through a kitchen and into the famous New York City nightclub. It also represents profound change in Henry from a young kid enjoying the spoils of the illicit life he has chosen. He gets to double park in front of the fire hydrant. No problem. Everybody's glad to see him. 
and they roll out a table center floor just for him and Karen. According to Scorsese, it had to be done in one sweeping shot because it's his seduction of her, Mm -hmm. but it's also the lifestyle seducing him. It's also an evolution. Henry starts in the streets at the back entrance and ends up in the front row. Yeah. Center. It's, and, and you, that really does come across. It is this kind of in the whole first act, right? That's kind of the ending of the first act more or less. Like then they get married, right? Yeah. Um, it's just the romanticizing glitz and glam of the mob life. You are a good fella. Mm-hmm. And, Something so cool you can do with steady cams is you get that floating above the floor feeling like you are weightless mm-hmm. and everything is kind of this dream and it's swirling around and there's people moving all around you. Everybody's smiling at you and there's people in nice clothes. There's smoking. There's beautiful music, beautiful women, um, important people. Uh, all to, and then you are the center of attention at the end. Um, it's just so beautifully done and I love it anytime a film can pull it off. And it doesn't feel like a gimmick. No. Here it 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 is like the perfect example of using a filmmaking a cool and unique filmmaking technique to elevate the material. Oh yeah. Because like whenever you look at the scene, you can go like did it have to be a long take? And like honestly it did. To yeah. to get the effect across, mm-hmm. it really did. Um, one of the things that I thought was also interesting is like, so to me, whenever I was watching, I was like, okay, when are they going to cut it, cut it here, cut it here. Whenever they set the table down, whenever they do this kind of stuff, they didn't cut it for a long time after they technically could have. Um, I did really like the, the end of that scene to where she goes, what do you do again? And he goes, I'm in construction. And then the drummer does the, yeah. She's like, you don't look like you're in construction. And I, I love that line from her because it shows that she's not a dummy. Yeah. She's not some some bimbo like some of these other gals that are shown around, mm-hmm. like on the arms of all the other gangsters. Like she's like, I see for what I see you for what you are. But like she says, it turns me on. Oh yeah. Like you know? it plays into the fact that she knows exactly what she's getting into. But she likes it. Yeah. She might not know like all the ins and outs of everything, but like she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, that scene is so good. Uh, going over to, uh, let's kind of cut this to this next conversation. So moving on from that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful one -er, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Joe Pesci. Let's just the national goddamn treasure that Joe Pesci is. He, I don't have it pulled up his IMDb, but he hasn't been in a ton of movies. Obviously greatest work home alone. Come on. Home alone too. Which is so weird. Yeah. To also film mine. Never seen it. Home alone. Nope. Oh, you should. It's good. Mm. That's a Christmas classic. Yeah, I have Die Hard. That is true. Yeah, but uh, there's no Joe Pesci in this that. movie. I mean, this is like the iconic Pesci role, and he he seems to it, a lot of those these early films. I could say early, but he worked with uh, a lot of his best roles are with Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works w- with him in Raging Bull. Um, 
with him and De Niro, and he plays the brother. But in Raging Bull, he's like, have you seen Raging Bull? No. See, I say I haven't seen Home Alone. That's okay. It's a fucking kid's movie. Do you know when I saw Home Alone? When? When I was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know when I saw Raging Bull? When? As a kid. <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. I there was, like there was no it was, bulls. It was, it was black and white. There was no bulls. I was very confused yeah. the entire time. He, did, he didn't seem like a nice guy, so mm-hmm. I don't know why I was watching. Um, but no. So yeah, Petchy in this movie, I feel like it's his definitive role. Like it, it, it is Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight levels of iconic villainy. Mm-hmm. To me, this character for Joe Pesci is almost just like putting on a, a pair of comfortable shoes. Like it, it yeah. It just suits him so well. Mm-hmm. And like even when you see interviews of him, yet again, I'm afraid of him still beating me up to this day. Yeah. Uh, but like he's just kind of like an intimidating dude. Well, and it's like he's not a big dude. Mm-mm. He's not a big guy. He's not very imposing looking. But I think it is because of the way that he plays his characters in the movies mm-hmm. where it is that very much like Napoleonic complex. Um, and he's, which is actually kind of funny because this other uh, fun fact, uh, by all accounts, uh, the character he played, Tommy, um, was every bit as ruthless, explosively tempered, and murderous as his on-screen counterpart. Still, there were some major differences between the real-life De Simone and Pesci's character. First, De Simone, who stood six foot two, Jesus, and weighed two hundred and twenty-five pounds, hardly would have suffered from the Napoleonic complex implied by the five foot four Pesci uh, in his performance. Also, Pesci was in his late forties when he took the role, while De Simone met his violent end when he was just twenty-eight. Damn. So. Obviously, it's film. Liberties are taken. Yeah. Get the right actor for the gig. Oh, yeah. Um, if it was a younger-looking dude, I don't know. He probably would have come more across as a punk. Yeah, that or like arrogance or something. Yeah. Pesci, you were like, I could see me having a fun time hanging out with this guy, mm-hmm. but I, I'd be scared all the time. Yeah, just constantly frightened. Like, And that's another thing that I, you know, I, I made a note of while watching this is that all these guys have such a big chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like you say the smallest of wrong things or something that can be perceived as disrespectful. There's going to be a problem. Oh yeah. Well, and it's super funny because watching this, like I'm kind of freaked out by everybody. Like mm-hmm. just like the idea of hanging around any of them would almost put me on edge. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I partly mean the characters and the actors. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like the, he has Pesci has a couple of iconic scenes in this film, and I honestly think he steals the movie. Ray Liotta, I can take or leave. I think he's he's fine in this. I don't know why he laughs the way he does. It scares me every time. I am terrified of his laughter. Is that was that you think a character choice? Is that just his face? I think laughs? that's just his face because he does it the same way in um um when <laughs> it, when his brains are getting eaten, uh he eats his own brains. Oh, in Silence of the Lambs or that's, not, it's, it's the second one. It's the second one. Uh, yeah. Whatever Red Dragon or whatever it's. No, no that's sorry. the third one. I never seen any of those. That's another film sin. Oh my. Silence of the Lambs. Hey, we're going to get through them. Yeah. You know when I watch Silence of the Lambs? 
as a five-year-old as a child well no because you're 75 so that wouldn't work out yeah the math math doesn't check out Mm -hmm. but uh so speaking of taking or leaving yes i could really take or leave robert de niro I think he does a yeah. fantastic job of what he does. And I think that that's part of the reason why maybe I feel that way is because the character that he plays is not super standout one way or the other. Yeah. Because he, he plays it like probably like a real wise guy that's a smart guy also would play to where he's not doing these super extremes. Um, he's just reacting to the situations around him and he understands how to work the system. But like, I don't know. You know, the the real Jimmy, according to Hill, the the guy who Ray Liotta plays, like the real life guy, mm-hmm. who died in 2012. Fun story about him, sidebar, sidebar. So he, at the very end, spoilers, obviously. You know, he rats, he he, he flips on, on his organization, everybody mm-hmm. he knew, um, and he goes into witness protection in Omaha because... That's that's what that's you do what, to a that's the New only York thing City gangster. Nebraska, that's the only thing that Nebraska is good for. Mm-hmm. Witness protection. Just some good old wit sex. <laughs> um, sorry, Nebraska listeners. Talking talking to you, Phil. Um, I know people from Nebraska. They live here we, now. We can't talk. We live in the OKC. No, which is actually pretty dope. Um, but uh, once he was in witness protection. He did not take to the life very well at all. And he started getting into narcotics again and uh, just contacting old criminal contacts mm-hmm. when he's in a witness protection for flipping on the mafia. Yeah. And uh, eventually like he, he, was, he got, you know, arrested and did some time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, until eventually, uh, I think a, 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 maybe 10 years before the movie. No, 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 no like a few years before the movie was made, he got kicked out of the witness protection program and was like, all right, dude, you fucked up enough. You're on your own. If somebody wants to kill you too bad. Oh yeah. Like, if you're not you going to play by you our don't rules. Play by our role. Yeah. And, uh, he was talking like, yeah, uh, I don't know how I'm still alive. I don't know how I didn't get killed then. I don't know how I'm not getting killed now, but I guess I'll sign a big high profile deal with Scorsese's production company and earn $550,000. And just, sell to tell on them all over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time with moving pictures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just ride this out until I inevitably die. Yeah. Um, the real Jimmy played by Robert De Niro um, was an actual homicidal maniac. The real guy was, mm-hmm. and he was not as like gentlemanly as he was portrayed by De Niro. Yeah. And he was brutally violent and responsible for at least 50 to 60 murders. Damn. So like that, that montage where he like quote unquote loses it right at the end. Like he kind of gets kind of paranoid and starts just offing everybody, everybody like those four or five people. That's like all the time. Just, that's like his, that that wasn't like out of character. More people. It wasn't like, I think they did in the movie for like a, for a character arc Mm -hmm. to where, you know, he suddenly got all this status and power and was the head of something. And he, as like a enforcer or soldier, he probably shouldn't have. And he kind of crumbled under that pressure and just started offing everybody. Mm-hmm. But no, he, he just did that all the time. So that was just his MO. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Hey, 
It's one way to live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Robert De Niro, I felt like was Robert De Niro in a gangster movie. Yeah. I don't know if it's because seeing it so late, uh, that seeing him in it, I'm just like, yeah, it's Robert De Niro. It, in yeah. A it could have been movie. like, Oh, De Niro was so good in that at the time. Mm-hmm. Cause that was like in the heyday, like the eighties, early nineties, you know, uh, I think Casino had just come out earlier. Let me look up when Casino came out. Another one of Scorsese's I haven't seen. I haven't seen that one either. Um, I apparently haven't watched a lot of Scorsese films. I mean, there, to be fair, there's a lot of them. Actually, Casino came out after, 95. Oh. Never mind. Fuck me, I guess. Um, hmm. Hmm. So, some of your favorite parts. Let's just move on to those. Like, what what are some standout moments to you? Obviously, we talked about the Copacabana scene. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, we didn't really t- talk about the uh, um, funny scene with Pesci. Yeah, because I feel like that's probably been. It's been, you know, beat to death. Yeah. Uh, it is so good. Like, I feel like that that kind of scene has wormed its way into just culture. Oh yeah. So like people will maybe not even have seen the movie, but they're aware of like the thing with like, Oh, you think I'm funny? Funny how funny how? Yeah. Like not seeing the movie and everything. I knew about that scene. Yeah. Um, one of the scenes that I did like that we haven't talked about yet is when they burn the old club for the insurance money. What are you getting a Christmas tree? Come on. Like just that whole sequence Mm -hmm. I think is just really well done. Um, it has that good balance of mix, uh, voiceover and everything. Mm-hmm. And then it has, uh, some pretty good comedic timing. It, there's a lot of funny moments in this movie. Yeah. Which you wouldn't typically see. I mean, you don't have comedic timing in the Godfather. No. no. I mean, you might I have, mean, let's be honest. You might have a funny part, but let's like, be, let's be honest. All due respect to the Godfather. When Don Corleone is, Spoilers. Shot. And all those oranges go everywhere. And he's just kind of like, oh, oh, I'm just going to lay down. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't know you hated senior citizens. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're old. Yep. Just go on and get. Yep. Su- Susan, Susan, I'm not. Susan, come back. Susan. Go on get. Susan, put your, your earbuds back in. Susan. Mm-hmm. She turned her hearing aids off. She's gone. That's stupid. <laughs> You have hearing aids? Can you put ear like headphones in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're Bluetooth, so you can sync it with your phone and stuff. Oh, aren't you fancy? I mean, the person that I know that has them is. Anywho, so I like that scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just because, like, it's just there's so much heavy stuff in this movie, and not even like soup. Like this movie, there's on the dock that we were talking about. They were saying about how like they got pushed back for all the drugs and all the violence. The studio's like cut it out. I'm like, but the, that's the but movie. The, how do you, there's no movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's just me or if it's just the fact that it's 2021. Uh, it didn't seem like that much. Like there was a lot there, but I didn't think the violence was too grotesque. Uh, the drug usage was definitely very abundant, especially towards the latter half of the movie. There are, uh, despite its reputation as a violent movie, the number of on-screen deaths actually portrayed in Goodfellas is surprisingly tame. How many do you think? How, How many, many deaths are in this movie, like actually shown on screen? 
I can think of uh-huh. and like five. Exactly five. Nice. There's Spider, Billy Bats, Stack, Ed- Stacks, Edwards, Maury, and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Or ten if you include the results. Like if you the, see like the dead, if you see the dead bodies, but yeah. you only actually see like the five. actual killing. Um, of course, it's also worth mentioning that violence and the threat of violence is a constant presence throughout the film. Yeah, but that like that is the whole point because hanging out with this group of people like it's always on the verge of mm-hmm. just kicking off that ending that uh, near the end when Lorraine goes to Tom to Tommy mm-hmm. um just for help oh yeah and he's like oh why don't you go get yourself some address it's down by the corner let's go over there mm-hmm. oh, let's go over there yeah. where oh just down, down the corner oh keep going and like you know the longer she goes mm-hmm. and there's like nobody around well, you're soon, already kind of paranoid because she's kind of coked out and paranoids too. As soon as she started, like, as soon as he was like, yeah, go get yourself a dress. Oh, it's not upstairs. As soon as he was like, no, it's down there. I was just like, oh, she's dead. Yeah. And like, she stops in that alleyway and those two guys just go, oh, shh, shh, shh. Mm-hmm. and you don't even see them. It's just the silhouettes. Oh yeah. And she's like, fuck that. Nope. I'm out. Goodbye. Fuck this shit. I'm out. And that's kind of the instigating thing. They're like, yeah, uh, let's, let's talk to somebody. <laughs> Because we're going to die. Um, a little goof, I, I don't know if you noticed, whenever she drives away, at the end she peels out the license plate, and it could be purposeful because it could be a fake license plate, but the license plate that's a New York license plate falls off the car, mm-hmm. and it's some white license plate. I don't, it could have been like maybe a modern-day license plate. Oh, I, it could have. I didn't it, it notice just, that. It just goes, falls off. What about you? What's a standout scene for you? Um kind of right off the bat it, it, it it's not a scene but it's kind of like a, a sequence a, a, a section of the film where uh they kill billy bats mm-hmm. um like get your fucking shine box like that whole exchange like it's just kind of eye rolling because it's like guys you're not even like saying real insults to each other you're not it's like all perceived everybody has a chip on their shoulder and pesci's already a firebox like he's just gonna he's, he's just looking for an excuse to fucking kill somebody oh yeah um because he's you know Pesci, uh, not he's not Pesci, but um, I like how it's not even the character; it's just Pesci. It's Pesci, Pesci just wants to kill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, the very opening shot of the film, right? Whenever they're dry, it, it establishes the tone perfectly, where it's dark, but also slightly comedic. Mm-hmm. They're driving down the road. It's that awesome, beautiful shot where you see the three main leads, right? You see Ray Liotta in the front seat driving. It's late at night. You see Robert De Niro, the big star, just kind of the big man, just kind of relaxing um, in the in the passenger seat, sleeping. Mm-hmm. And in the back is Pesci, just kind of looking all kinds of... Crazy. Weird and unsettling back there. And then you hear this... Did we hit something? What the... Oh, no. And it's Billy Bats in the, in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And they pull out, pull over, and it's that scene where they all, they all go to the back, and you have that awesome red light of the tail lights. Oh of, yeah, it's just red lighting, nothing else. So it, I love that kind of shit. Um, and then it's so over the top, which I do love that in this movie, none of the characters are like over the top. They're not caricatures. Mm-mm. They and it's part of that. Why I do love that scene at, whenever they burn the club down. Because they're just two kids bullshitting in the car as the thing is on fire. Like, they're just two dudes, two guys. Yeah. They're idiots. Um, 
but I do love how over the top it is. When, uh, uh, De Niro has the gun out. Uh, Ray Liotta's character is just kind of standing there like, uh, fuck. Yeah, like, what are we doing What here? are we doing? And then Pesci just like pulls out this motherfucking huge ass knife from his belt like a sword. <laughs> and just like, what? The? That's a, you are compensating for something, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you open it up and it's just this poor dude. You don't know who he is at that point. Mm-mm. Um, and he just stabs the fuck out of him. Yeah. And honestly, like stabbing somebody to death is super violent and hard because you, you won't kill them easily. Mm-mm. And he goes to fucking town on him. Mm-hmm. Like all it's just anytime that he attacks, it's always just the multi attack. Like it's just fury. Well, cause even in the poker game, whenever he starts shooting at the at guy, Spider. yeah, like it's not one bullet. It's boom, boom, doosh, doosh, doosh. Yeah. and that's even whenever he just maims him the first time. And then the second time when he straight up murders him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you get that awesome shot where, you know, he's dead and De Niro comes up also brutal. You introduce, you're introduced to the tone of that character where he walks up and just boof, 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 boof. He's already, he's probably dead. Oh yeah. He goes up and just shoots him a couple times in the trunk. And then you have the awesome shot where it slammed, Ray Liotta slams the, the trunk down and the camera just goes whoop, shoots up to his face, freeze frame. Mm-hmm. And they do a freeze frame a couple times in the opening act of the movie just to kind of introduce characters like splash pages. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you get that awesome thing. Like for as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster and the opening it's, it's the opening of the film and I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and this is another thing that, that just kind of made me think of, is the fact that so they have to dig up that body again later, and then you have Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci's characters both being super chill with it, and mm-hmm. Ray Liotta is throwing up, gagging, doing all that kind of stuff. But you want a leg? You want a wing? <laughs> Which to me, like, I don't know if that is like foreshadowing for the fact that he's just not really meant for that life, or maybe he's just not as crazy as they are. Yeah, well, and he even at the beginning of the movie, like he's kind of just this innocent kid that just wants to quote from the movie. I was part of something. I belonged. I was living in a fantasy. Like he, he saw the shine and he saw the respect. Well, cause even in this, in the, the scene, whenever it's the first time I saw somebody get shot before and the guy runs up oh. and he's bleeding, he takes his apron off and does it. And then he gets scolded. five aprons. Yeah. yeah. gets scolded for wasting the aprons on him. So like he clearly has like, mm like a human vein to him, like a soul. Like he's not a hundred percent over to the, the life like they are. And it kind of gets whittled away. And so we have that full first act, right? Where you get the kind of get the glitz and the glam, um, and the fantasy of the mob life and being a good fella. Mm -hmm. And then he, it, it, it all, it, 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 uh, crescendos with marrying the woman of his dreams, Karen. And then, reality starts to trickle in through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Right. And he starts doing all the tropes cause he gets the girlfriend and it's mm-hmm. like Thursday nights or I think it was Thursday nights is for girlfriends or, and that's when we, that's when Billy bats is killed. Mm-hmm. That's when, um, you know, he starts doing some crime on the side. He, he has, a, like you said, gets a girlfriend, um, goes to prison. Yeah. starts doing the drugs. Yeah. In prison, he starts doing the drugs. Uh, that's kind of like the, the, the beginning of the third act, like after he gets out mm-hmm. and none of the guys are there for waiting for him. Mm-mm. It's just Karen. 
Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's not like it's very stark contrast from the first time, like when he's a kid and he gets busted for selling, I guess, cigarettes. cigarettes right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets out of the courtroom and everybody's there. He's like, ah, oh, you popped your cherry. Yeah. You know, and, and, and everybody's there to greet him and hug him. Like he is part of the family he is in. He does real time for a crime, right? With his, with his boss in the, in his, some, also, yeah, did you know the, the guy who's cooking onions in the, in the prison? That's Scorsese's dad. Oh, really? Yeah. So his mom and his dad are in this movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fucking great. Um, yeah, and it just I kind of all falls apart. And so, yeah, it goes fantasy. Cracks start to show in the foundation, and the third act is just fucking the 80s is a bad news bears for <laughs> crime. Yeah, like... Cocaine! The, the, the third act really, <laughs> really does play into, like, the cocaine... Give me like, a fresh powder! Uh, like a cocaine fever dream almost because the the whole sequence of him driving around was so manic like the, the chopper yeah was so manic was so just uh just disjointing and everything like i thought it was done really well did you notice that the the editing style is very very different and i think in the documentary she t- kind of touches on it um yeah the editing style is different where in the first act, right, you get those long flowing shots, like mm-hmm. medium shots, things are kind of breathing. And then the second act, I always say a little bit, but then when he's manic like that, there's so many cuts from so many different angles and it's a lot of close ups on his like sweaty bloodshot face. Oh yeah. Well, cause in that doc, she was saying about it, like they were breaking rules. I mean, yeah, they were breaking rules then. That doesn't seem that weird to us now because that's no. just what people do. Like like, why would you make a movie uncomfortable to watch? Mm-hmm. But what Martin Scorsese was saying about that is that he wanted to show that everything was of equal importance to him mm. through that whole sequence, which, I mean, it comes across beautifully. Yeah. Um, a second favorite scene of mine that's kind of partnered with my first one. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's before the opening scene, right? The, the, uh, get your shine box scene has already happened, which is so uncomfortable. Um, cause then he leaves and then he comes back and just, they beat the shit out of him. Uh, but then they, <laughs> they go to his mom's house at like one oh, yeah. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And she's obviously been dead asleep. Mm-hmm. She has her robe on and everything. And man, you know, I love my mother. Mm-hmm. Hi, mom. You'll never listen to this. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, if I ever came over at one o'clock in the morning, I'm not sure you would feed me a full fucking dinner of <laughs> pasta, breads, meats, and meal. sausages. Well, and she's not opening cans of stuff. She's no. making that from scratch. That's true. Like, did she just have do. that made? I guess. Or did she's like, give me five hours and I'll get you some food, babe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Yeah, they come over at one. It's 8 a.m. She's finally done. <laughs> yeah. She's been kneeling pasta, just making it, <laughs> pressing it, boiling it, doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. Stirring, stirring the sauce, mm-hmm. which I love. I Sidebar, sidebar. I do love that touch at the end when everything's manic and he's running around. He's coked out of his mind. Stir and he keeps sauce. coming back to the house to stir the sauce. Mm-hmm. 
tell my brother to stir the sauce. Yeah. Um, that's another favorite scene of mine is, is when they're having dinner and talking about the, the fucking painting of the dog. Like, well, I, I wrote down, uh, yeah. Uh, Pesci looks at the, at the, the painting. He's like, yeah, I, I like this one. One dog goes one way. The other dog goes the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you simple minded idiot. Like, I mean, true. It's a, and it's a good painting too. Oddly. Well, like, also, I would have that in my house. Also, I love the fact that like just 30 minutes ago, they probably stomped a man to death mm-hmm. that they think they actually didn't stomp him to death. And they're on their way to bury him because they need a shovel. So they, that's why they came to the house. Yeah. So they just went to the house and they were just, they're just having a conversation. Like, yeah. it's all fine. It's Non-shoulder. whatever. So um, like another favorite scene for me would be kind of a, a an amount, like a bunch, it's a bunch of scenes that I think that they do really well. It's the scene where uh, Henry goes to meet uh, Jimmy at the breakfast place. Oh, yeah. And then for the same reasons, whenever Henry wakes up to his wife cocking a gun in his face. Wake up, Henry. They do such a good job at making scenes just breathe like enough to kind of just feel that tension. Because in that whole meeting between uh, Henry and Jimmy... Like you can just feel the tension mm-hmm. and then with the wife and everything, it's the same thing. Like, I think that they did a really good job at getting everything just to span just right. Yeah. Because like I could tell you that I knew that Jimmy wasn't going to kill Henry in that scene or whatever, but like, it still got me like going like, what the fuck is going to happen? Well, yeah. It- I don't know what it is about diners, you know, I feel like if you go to a diner nowadays, you just know that it's not for a good reason. <laughs> good things don't happen there. Good things don't happen Or you there. don't go there after a good thing happened yeah, to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal scenes like that, that whole, the thing that I do love kind of going to that scene when uh, Karen wakes up Henry in bed, Mm-hmm. I think that's another iconic, iconic scene. Oh yeah, it's, it's iconic. Just that shot of that that POV shot of the barrel in the camera, and then you look down at Henry's face, and he's just kind of they got that that dazed, cross-eyed look, and yeah. he's like completely vulnerable. Um, and it goes from like that very soft, like okay, Karen, okay, just I love you. I've always loved you. Put the gun down. Mm-hmm. Just very, and and it explodes on a dime. Oh yeah. Whenever he has the upper hand, and it's so the thing I do admire about Scorsese's style of violence in his films, in every one of his films, mm-hmm. is that he has such a perfect balance of showing the fantasy and the kind of the the I, I say fantasy a lot, but that's kind of what it is, right? Uh, uh, he he shows the cool and sexy parts of whether it's like the mob or uh, cops or whatever. Uh, or another different or, kind of subject, mob. Yeah, whatever subject matter it is. Or an old mob. <laughs> or a young mob. Or, or a young mob. Or a cop pretending to be in the mob. And the, mm-hmm. um, But there's such a, a, a cool, good contrast of that. And it's kind of stylized, mm-hmm. but grounded in realism. And then the violence is so realistic because it's awkward. And mm-hmm. it doesn't look choreographed, and it's just kind of flailing around, like that scene when 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 Billy Bats is, uh, in in the, in the at the bar whenever they attack him, mm-hmm. and it's just like 
he just kind of flails around and knock is falling over and why and he just they're just kicking at him and kicking at him and kicking and it's not elegant it's not like these guys know how to use proper form yeah they're just stomping around yeah um and also like whenever karen loses the upper hand uh they just kind of are just fall, fl- flapping around oh yeah you know um and uh like they're holding on to the hair and they're kind of like in uncomfortable position and um just their this the, the way they're yelling at each other it's all so visceral and raw um oh yeah uh quick sidebar yeah sidebar sidebar i learned the other day that on the original power rangers tv show that the actors uh were the stunt people and they did not get stunt pay oh they got paid $500 a week to do their own stunts and act. Oh. And the Pink Ranger was almost electrocuted and set on fire. Well, that's what happens when you deal with, you know, sorcery. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the gig. You know? Yeah, it is. But I think that there there is something to be said about leaving those physical moments as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it is kind of the unsettling thing that is about these characters is that... Yeah they'll fly off the handle at like the drop of a hat. And they seem like you could know these guys. Like mm-hmm. You could pass them on the street. Oh yeah. So it makes you feel like, yeah, of course they're capable of that. And of course it won't look great whenever they decide to punch a man to death or mm-hmm. stab a man to death or kick a man to death. I will say, so did you feel sorry for anybody? And I'll follow that up with another question. The uh, honestly, the only person I actually felt sorry, sorry for was Polly. Mm-hmm. But Polly's character was kind of that Godfather esque figure that even from the beginning, like you kind of get, he, he has kind of like this benevolent. I don't want to say androgynous. Uh, well, he had no delusions of grandeur. Like he wasn't trying to. He was a make. Sim- Make more, make less. He was good. He was a businessman. He was mm-hmm. straight and simple, right? Um, yeah, like if if his life stayed the same, mm-hmm. he would have been thumbs up. Oh, a detail that I caught. Well, he's the guy I felt sorry for because that's all he wanted. And then he got screwed over by these young idiot kids. Oh, yeah. Big time. And... There's a scene early on in the movie when the uh, club owner, right? It, it's after the funny scene mm-hmm. where he, the club owner comes up to, to Pesci's like, hey, you know, you owe me seven, seven grand. And he like embarrasses him in front of his friends. Let me, uh, uh, sidebar, sidebar for all of our restaurant owning listeners. Um, if you have a mafia guy in your establishment and mm-hmm. they're regulars, mm-hmm. maybe just... Time and place, location, location, location. Whenever you decide to talk to these guys, don't do it in front of their friends for any reason at all. That's all. Um, but but after after uh, you know he gets scared, and he's like, I need protection, which was kind of the idea the entire time. Yeah, I think. Uh, and and Polly's like, What do I know about the restaurant business? I, I don't I don't know the first thing. I'm not going to own a restaurant. Um, so he passes off to Ray Liotta and then the final time we see Polly, well, we see him getting arrested. Right. But, and on the, in the, the, uh, the, the courthouse, mm-hmm. um, but whenever Ray Liotta, uh, Henry goes 
and begs for money and for forgiveness. He's like, I'm ashamed. I'm, you know, and it, it it's that close up. And you just think he's cooking in his house or wherever. And then we do that back to that wide. And he's in this kind of small diner and he's the cook. Mm-hmm. He owns a restaurant. He's fallen so far that he is, has to be the own cook for the restaurant he owns. Oh yeah. You know, Hey, you know what? I'm sure he slices that garlic real thin, though. With a razor blade. Mm-hmm. Super sterile. So then my follow-up question to that is, do you feel like you understood anybody? Because that, that to me is the difference to where, I mean, after what you just said makes sense, but to me, I didn't feel sorry for anybody per se because they all knew what they were getting into. However... Yeah. I felt like I understood who these people were, yeah, which helped me not feel sorry for them. Right. And I don't think that the idea for the film is to make you feel sorry for them. No. It's because more... it really is the way the story is told and is very much almost like a documentary. I think I said it before, like a documentary with film cameras. Like, yeah. You know, like a home movie. Yeah. Back to the beginning, right? It. It's just kind of, stating the facts of what happened yeah, and who was there. It's not necessarily made to explore this crazy character arc or endear you to the characters. Right. I mean, it happens in a way because these are iconic characters now. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's more of a slice of life than, uh, a character piece, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how Sam Jack, Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie? Yeah, that was kind of, I forget it every time left field for me Yeah, for him to show up. And he just, poor guy gets just shot in his shitty apartment. I honestly didn't really see that murder coming that. Yeah. Cause that's the beginning of, of Jimmy cleaning up everything, everything mm-hmm. the heist. Um, so what are some, just to, to, to wrap this up, um, what's one more scene that you just love or one more aspect of the film that you love? Hmm. Could be anything, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think of something that we really haven't touched on. I mean, obviously the spider scene is horrifying. Like that's an actual like horror movie scene, I think, mm-hmm. um, where Pesci like truly reveals, Oh, he's just a psychopath. Like at first he was kind of like, okay, all right. And then, uh, yeah, he just, Tommy just loses his mind. It is kind of funny to have like the, the relationship between, uh, Ray Liotta's character and Joe Pesci, because I, I wonder if they get along really well as just people. Cause they did as acted like their actor characters did like mm-hmm. whenever they were doing certain things, it almost felt like it could be like a buddy cop movie. Sure. Like when they're doing the heist on the semi trucks and all that kind of shit. Sure. So I kind of, I, I did enjoy that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Just their relationship in general and the juxtaposition of their relationship too. Cause you have somebody who ends up being super fucking crazy mm-hmm. who thinks he's getting ready to become a made man and gets assassinated. And then somebody who flips on the entire family. Oh, I, I And I love that just how unceremonious one of the leads getting killed is. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to the way that Scorsese shoots violence. 
is that it's not like a clean shot through the through the front of the head. It's just side of the side, of, like the the weird angle top of his head gets blown off. Mm-hmm. It's not a straight on shot. And he knows the instant he walks into that room, nobody's there. He's like, ah, oh, and doesn't you know? Mm-hmm. He's gone. Yeah. And he it, flew too close to the sun. <sighs> Icarus. Um, et tu, Brute? Et tu. But. <laughs> I love the the logic, like the, just the little tidbits that you get because they shot him in the face so that he couldn't have an open oh, casket. And his poor mom. I feel sorry for his mom. That's who I feel sorry for. She makes beautiful paintings of dogs and boats, makes food at fucking one o'clock in the morning from scratch. I don't even know her name. Poor mom. It's mom. It's probably Marie. <laughs> um. How many Oscars do you think this film won in 1990? Well, 90, the 91 Oscars. Right. Two? Five. Zero. How many did it get? So, at the 1991 Oscars, it only won a single Oscar. Because that's also the, the, that, that is also the year that Dances with Wolves came out, which apparently was the greatest American film ever made. Fun fact, my... Uh, my uh, Audio professor at grad school, he was a sound mixer for Dance with Wolves. Oh, I thought you were going to say he danced with wolves. I mean, possible to get you know that background, oh, yeah. knowledge of how they sound. But yeah, he was the the uh, the mixer. He wasn't the editor. No, he was the editor. I'm sorry. I apologize. He was the editor for uh, Dance with Wolves. Oh, nice. Yeah. Interesting. He never let us forget it. I mean, would you? No. Uh, but he, it only won one. What do you think it was for? It wasn't best director because Scorsese only got that. I late, late, late. I, yeah, because he got that for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Cinematography. Nope. Editing. No supporting actor for Pesci. Oh. And ass. he he gave the shortest acceptance speech. In the history of the Oscars. Because he didn't know he was going to win. He didn't expect to win. Mm -hmm. It was, it's my privilege. Thank you. And he left. (laughs) (laughs) That seems very like on point, on character. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Rapid fire of notes to wrap up this uh, discussion in cinema. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Whenever, every scene in this movie makes me hungry. Like, even when they're in prison, they're eating better than I am. Oh, yeah. It's just meats and sauces and bread and sauce. So- you know, it's just, come on. Breads and sauces and sauces and bread and, and cocaine. pasta and cocaine. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, the card game is iconic. Uh, waking Up Henry talked about. Uh, before he goes to jail, like the big time in jail, uh, when they finally get caught, it is that super random, unceremonial like it was the the sister of the brother of the guy they beat up and had a contact in the FBI. Like who would have known? And he gets in the back of that car and he just downs like eight pills. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Now take me to jail." Like, yeah. like you know, I'm still the king of the world. Fuck yeah. you. This is just another day. Like this is just gonna be what I do for a minute. Yeah. And then I'm gonna go right back to living my life. Yeah. It's just. And then once once they get out and Polly's kind of taking the back seat, all restraint is gone. 
and those three just kind of lose it wreak havoc and it that's kind of the end of the 1950s gangster and it goes into the 80s and mm-hmm. it's just chaos and money and coke yeah and like just getting the next big score yeah yeah everything just falls apart and that's it's it's uh the end of his descent into hell and it lands him in the worst place ever omaha Omaha. poor omaha <laughs> poor omaha uh I do, I do love the set decoration on it. Uh, oh, I love yeah, the costume design. Everything was just, mm-hmm. it screamed exactly what it was. Yeah. I, I mean, every detail is perfect. Um, it made me want to rewatch The Irishman on Netflix, which, oh boy, that's a task and a half because it's very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't watched it. Yeah. I don't really have a desire to watch it either yeah, well it, it, it very much is kind of like a a bookend to this style of movie mm-hmm. even though it's and it has like every the exact same cast did you know uh pacino al pacino was the first pick to play uh uh de niro's character oh i could see that mm-hmm. but he didn't want to be pigeonholed and typecast as a gangster after the godfather mm-hmm too bad, bro. Yeah. How did that work out for you? Ooh, she's got a big ass. <laughs> so, final thoughts on Goodfellas by director Martin Scorsese. Came out in 1990. Uh, man, I love this movie. I don't think... I'll, I'll probably watch it again eventually, just because it is kind of that classic film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just one of those in the lexicon that you kind of got to keep refreshing yourself on. But uh, yeah, it's not my favorite. But I think that's just because by its nature and the way that the narrative is that there's not character, like a character that you can love and invest in and kind of root for. You're just kind of on the the tracks of the ride and you're watching all these vignettes take place around you and mm -hmm. uh, watch. And it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's masterfully done, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's you don't have that that person to follow through that you want to see their journey over and over and over again. It very much is. Um, I definitely think that it was really good. I think that all the praise and accolades that mm-hmm. it has is definitely deserved. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like it's it's definitely an example of just how to make a movie. Like it is an example, but no, you're right though. In a bigger sense. Like it, for yeah. me, there's, I can't think of anything that is necessarily missing that you would say, what makes a great American film? Mm. And it pretty much ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Um, there's no boobies in it though. No, but she does shove the gun down her panties. Yep. Which is just, I never understood why people do that blow your genitals off i mean i just just arrest me <laughs> i'm not gonna risk my balls yeah. in that way you know just ain't gonna do it now yeah. um just don't have that much faith in a safety no no like black hawk down you see black hawk down uh-huh this is my safety sir yeah you gotta keep your bigger picker off the bang bang switch <laughs> um so next scorsese picture we're gonna look at mm-hmm 
We're just going to look at it. We're not going to watch it. Not going to watch it? We're just going to stare at it. Just going to stare which, at it? Which one were we doing? I forget. Let me look at the list. We can edit this part out. Hang it on. should be The Aviator. I think, it, I think that's what it was. Hang on. Shit. We're going to go from the gutters of a gangster movie to the skies. Here we are. Okay. So, next picture we're going to look at. Damn it. <laughs> next picture we're going to watch. So, next picture we're going to watch from Scorsese. Uh, there's, it's so hard because there's so many good ones. I just want to watch them all. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't have a, a full year to watch them all because they're all five hours. Watch Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. The next one is going to be in kind of the, the mid-era. Of, well, no, not really the mid. The Goodfellas is kind of the mid era for him because he started in the seventies. Um, it's going to be where he teams up with another great actor. Have you seen this movie? Is it Dwayne the Rock Johnson? <laughs> Could you imagine? Holy shit! I'd love it. Come on, <laughs> Kevin Hart's also in it. <laughs> Kevin Hart? No, no. Oh God! They remake the Goodfellas. And Dwayne Johnson is is Henry, uh-huh. and Kevin Hart is where Joe Pesci's character. <laughs> same, same kind and of energy. Sam, and Sam Jackson's still in it. Oh yeah, but he's playing Robert De Niro's character. Oh, I can. I'm, oh my god! I'm, come on! I'm a thousand percent on. Just give it to me. That that'd be a great SNL skit. Oh, it would be. Just. It probably is. Um, we're gonna, I, we're gonna watch The Aviator next. But no, I have not seen The Aviator. Neither have I, which yeah. I'm excited for because uh, it wasn't the first. DiCaprio Scorsese collab because that was Gangs in New York, I think. I don't think you're right. I could my time my timeline could be messed up. <sighs> but um, very excited. Heard great things. It won a shit ton of Oscars, I guess. I um, am a huge fan of airline travel. Uh, I'm, I am, but not to watch a lot of movies about it. I usually don't care about movies with planes in them. I don't know why. Um, but next just happens naturally, just happens naturally. But next time we'll watch the aviator and I'm excited to see how his style has went from early nineties to kind of the, the mid aughts, um, 2006, no, 2003 is when it came out because I definitely have, cause I've seen a handful of Scorsese films. So mm-hmm. I definitely think after seeing this, I'm starting to clue in to what essentially is his film style. Yeah. So going into a movie that I've never seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is kind of in the middle of his filmmaking career or towards the latter half or whatever. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if it's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with like the, all the new techniques that are available. Right. Well, yeah, because you know, he's kind of a classically trained uh, director and mm-hmm. probably I don't I, there's none of his later works that I can really think that are CG heavy well Hugo yeah would be the but one it was kind of like an experimental kids movie almost but no I, I think that the thing that I love most about Scorsese is that yeah you're right he is classically trained and he is just a titan of a filmmaker but he's he is that because he's a pioneer oh yeah and he is never afraid of using new technology um, and innovating his style. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited for the aviator, uh, big DiCaprio fan, uh, never seen it before. So I'm very excited, uh, to wrap things up. How's the, uh, how's the ignition switch treating you? Did you finish it? 
I'm almost done. Yeah, yeah. Let's just... And done. Ah. I thought it was good. It wasn't bad. Uh, did it turn you on? <laughs> yeah, my motor's running. That's just you farting. Okay, everybody. Until next episode. <laughs> be good to each other. And uh, keep on watching. We'll, we'll see you in the Wait. skies. In the podcast in the sky i can fly twice as high it's in a book on a paper airplane cocaine's a hell of a drug bye